This is All India Radio. In the weekly program Current Affairs, we now bring you a discussion on bilateral relations between India and Germany. The participants are Ashok Sajjanhar, former diplomat and Professor Gulshan Sachdev, expert on international issues. Simran Sodhi, journalist, initiates and moderates the discussion. Today we are discussing the visit of the German Chancellor Angela Merkel to India. She met Prime Minister Narendra Modi in the morning today and both leaders held wide-ranging discussions and also signed 17 pacts and five letters of intent. Ambassador Sajjanhar, uh, if we look at this visit of the German Chancellor to India and India and Germany's growing relationship, how do you rate this visit and the fact that she's here, she's meeting the PM and they're discussing almost every issue, regional issues, economic issues, how do you rate this visit on its own? India and Germany, it's a very important relationship because in bilateral terms, as far as the economic engagement between the two countries is concerned, as also because of its international ramifications, because of its regional importance, but principally because of the economic content of this relationship. You would recall that when Prime Minister Modi had come to power, then his first visit to Germany was in 2015 for the Hanover Messe. So for that, Make in India program, etc., to get the assistance and the support of Germany, that is very important. It is important trading partner for India. It's also an important investment partner for India. Bilateral trade is to the tune of about $24 billion. Germany is the seventh largest investor in India with investments ranging going up to about $12 billion. So there are a number of programs, there are a number of projects also in the area of small and medium scale industries in terms of training. There is very active, intense cooperation. As far as this particular visit is concerned, there have been a number of areas in which very significant and very important decisions have been taken. If I could just mention two or three of them. First is in the area of artificial intelligence and digitization. Both the countries have recognized that it is technology is going to be the most important transformative aspect as far as future shape of world geopolitics and economy is concerned. Bilateral in the joint declaration that has been signed, it's a very comprehensive declaration. It comprises of about 73 paragraphs and five or six major aspects of bilateral ties. But coming to artificial intelligence and cooperation in digital transformation that is taking place. Relevance, the utilization, the significance in terms of their applicability in the area of health, in the area of mobility, in environment, in agriculture, research, development, all these aspects are included and have been dealt with at great length. Second aspect that I could briefly touch upon is in the area of trade and investment between the two countries. Now, Chancellor Merkel is uh, accompanied not only by the Foreign Minister, but uh, also Minister of Science and Education, Minister of Agriculture. So these are all issues that have also been discussed. Both sides uh, discussed about the bilateral trade and investment agreement. Both of them said that this is extremely important and they should try to work it out. Of course, the economies of both the countries, both Germany and India, are not doing too well at this particular moment. Germany has been affected not only by the major trade war that has been going on between US and China, 
because of its impact on global trade, but also because of Brexit. The important position that Germany had occupied as far as Europe is concerned, the leader as far as Europe is concerned. So I think there it has been giving way a little bit and also the position of Chancellor Merkel herself because she has uh, suffered some defeats in recent months and she has uh, now said that she will not be contesting elections going forward. This context uh, with the changes taking place in the world in as far as the global economy is concerned, as far as global politics is concerned, with the unpredictability of Donald Trump as the U.S. president and uh, what his, the impact that he is having on geopolitics. So it was in this uh, context that the visit took place, that this fifth uh, biennial meeting of the intergovernmental consultations took place and the very comprehensive discussions and decisions that have been taken, I think that will give huge impetus to our bilateral relations. Professor Sachdev, when you see the U.S.-China trade war that is currently engaging the entire world, and as Ambassador Sajanhar also pointed out, this is one of the factors we see world economies like Germany suffering. To some extent, India is also feeling the effects. And we see Brexit, how unstable it has made Europe and also international politics. How do you think this affects India-Germany bilateral relation, the fact that, as Ambassador Sajanhar pointed out, that the economies are not doing too well. And in the backdrop, you have this ongoing feud between the United States, China, then you have the flux of Brexit happening. How do these events then shape other bilateral relations? Look at the context, rightly mentioned by Ambassador Sajanhar. Yes, I mean, our relationship with Germany is very important. In particular, the core of this relationship, of course, is economics, trade, as well as also uh, investment. Now, the context has been changing. If you look at Germany, now, because of its difficult past, Germany does not operate as a standalone power normally. So, what they do is most of the policy framework is within, within the EU framework and also within the NATO framework. And within Europe, it's a very close German, Franco-German alliance. And internationally, it's a transatlantic alliance, which is basically very close strategic and also economic partnership with the U.S. But now things are changing. Now, within Europe, as I think was rightly mentioned, Angela Merkel is weakened today. She is not the kind of leader what she was, say, two or three years ago, when she was the leader within Europe. And particularly during the crisis, Eurozone crisis, and also during the refugee crisis, she emerged as single most important leader within Europe. Today, after Brexit, I think the political power within Europe is moving more towards France. And President Macron has really laid out a very ambitious reform agenda for the European Union. Similarly, European economy, even if when there was a crisis within Europe, German economy was doing very well. So today, German economy is almost on the brink of recession. So in that context, and similarly, Indian economy is also not doing too well. Even if you look at certain industries, like very important industry in Germany, now auto industry in Germany is still in difficulty, our auto industry is also in difficulty. In the last few years, Germany has been really, particularly after the uncertainty in the US policy, so they have been looking for new engagements, apart from their traditional within Europe and outside. In fact, if you follow very closely German debates, for the last 10 years, they have followed BRICS countries very, very closely. In fact, much more they have given, you know, importance to those countries than actually we do sometimes. 
Now, their relations with Russia are not difficult because of, uh, you know, Ukrainian war. But still, Germany is trying certain kind of selective engagement with Russia. They are still attracted towards China, but the kind of importance they used to give to China just few years back, now they are a bit worried about the Chinese expansion within Europe and the whole geopolitics of the BRI, etc. So, attraction is also very much towards India. So, they are looking India also very, very seriously. But one thing perhaps is India is slightly disappointed, I would say, Germany, because for the last five years, they were very hopeful of India-EU FTA, which hasn't really happened so far. So as a result, you know, tactically what you can see is, you know, most of the European powers, EU and also in fact the major powers within Europe, even today if you look at joint statement, yes, it has been mentioned, you know, uh, bilateral trade and investment agreement, but they know that this is not going to happen in a, in a hurry. So obviously they are moving more towards issues like <coughs> renewable energy, sustainable development, artificial intelligence, and also, you know, some of other areas in which, of course, they have huge capacities. And particularly if you look at the whole energy window program of Germany, in which it's not just only energy transition, but this is a total transformation of the German economy. The kind of processing, industry, urbanization, agriculture, everything is going to change as a result of energy window. So they have really invested into this. They want to be leader in all those green technologies. And we also need all those technologies because we have our own agenda of transformation or energy transformation and sustainable development. And they are quite keen to help actually many developing countries. And in fact, if you can look, even their development cooperation program is one of the biggest in India. And most of this program is geared towards all the energy and renewable energy and energy efficiency, those are the kind of areas. Germany and India can work together. They have been working together. And Germans are also very, very methodical. You know, they already laid out at this agenda. They know what can be achieved, what cannot be achieved. So these are the areas which are strength of India. There are certain areas which are German strength, so they are trying to match some of those areas. And one another area which still we haven't really given much thought, uh, there is one letter of intent I saw which has been signed, particularly in the context of uh, migration and mobility. Now, this is one area which I think we should be looking much more seriously. Because if you look at Germany, even if there is certain economic difficulties in Germany, still unemployment rate in Germany is one of the lowest in Europe, somewhere you know close to 3% only. And if you look at requirements, Germany for the next 5 to 10 years, 80 to 90% jobs which are going to be created in Germany will be in the area of high-skilled, or semi, I mean, medium to high-skilled areas. And Germany is the only country which has actually implemented EU blue card scheme very, very seriously. Because if you look at all the blue cards which have been issued, I mean, this is a scheme in which European countries are inviting high-skilled people to come and settle in Europe, or at least, I mean, for the few years, it can lead to even permanent residency within European countries. 85% of those cards have been issued only by Germany. And if you look at the numbers of those, I think 20 to 25% of these cards have been given to Indians. So it means this is one area we can facilitate through our linkages with Germany and the kind of very solid government-to-government <coughs> -government linkages we have. But of course, they are also looking not just only high-skilled migration towards Europe, which is their requirement, but they are also a bit worried about irregular migration. So in fact, what they are looking is a comprehensive kind of mobility and migration agreement with India in which we can facilitate high-skilled legal migration to Europe, at the same time also try to kind of, you know, control if there is any irregular migration which is taking place to Germany and other European countries. So this is one area in which I think we need to focus slightly more, apart from all the traditional area in which we have been working, trade, investment, 
and also the areas of sustainable development. So, Ambassador Sajanhar, when you see, and as you mentioned yourself, we see that the German Chancellor today is politically in a much weaker position than what she used to be. She was at one point the tallest leader in the European Union. And today we find because of the changing political situation in Europe, her position is not that strong. Do you feel that the absence of, and she said she will not contest again, do you feel the absence of Merkel on the world stage in international politics will affect bilateral relations like India and will it affect the way Europe conducts itself? The presence of a strong Germany, absolutely essential for the Franco-German project on Europe to go forward. And particularly when it is going through its very testing times and crisis situation with the Brexit happening in the months, so to say. How it exactly is going to work out, I think that we'll have to see. But of course, as far as the problems and the issues are concerned, this will continue. And so the integration or the joint working between France and Germany will become even more important. And particularly, we also see that there is the rise of the right in many countries as far as Europe is concerned. And I think that will prove to be another challenge as far as uh, taking the project uh, of Europe forward is concerned. We have seen if the economy is not doing well, whether it is the Schengen uh, project, Schengen initiative, or it is the Eurozone initiative, I think they will all come under some bit of a cloud and the energy that was with them, that will come down. The necessity of focused, strong, purposeful Germany is absolutely essential for the Europe project to go forward. Chancellor Merkel, of course, had, has been leading Germany for a long time and she has been very strongly in favor of strong, united and horizontally and vertically expanding European projects. So the person who will come in her place, someone has been selected and it will have to be seen as to how, that's also a lady if I understand, how she is able to guide the national affairs forward. But there are also between the different political parties in Germany. So how they are able to come together, what is the sort of consensus that they are able to build, I think that will result in some sort of question mark. And the leadership will, Professor Sajdeva has said, leadership will devolve towards France. So it will be France which will be taking leadership role. But I don't think that the European project in that sense might suffer. As far as bilateral relations are concerned, I am not apprehensive that they will suffer in any significant manner because I think it is in the interest of both countries, you know, whether it is in terms of value systems, whether it is uh, democracy, rule of law, free press, and as far as business and trade is concerned, Germany was uh, at the beginning much more attracted towards the Belt and Road uh, Initiative. You would recall that when the first meeting took place in May of 2017, there was a ministerial representative from Germany which had participated. But I think all the problems that have started surfacing over the last two years, three years, this has made them wiser and also the fact that China is trying to expand into Europe with the Central European countries. So I think that has worried Germany and also a number of other uh, European countries. And so in this uh, formulation also, our joint declaration that has been issued uh, today, there is a reference to providing funding and financing to developing countries so that, you know, which is uh, transparent, which is sustainable, 
VRI is not mentioned in so many words, but the indication is quite clear that that is what it uh, seeks to provide an alternative form of financing because when countries tend to criticize BRI, they said, yes, there are a large number of lacunae, there are a large number of faults, but then infrastructure is something that all countries want. So what is the alternative for these countries? So I think there is an attempt uh, when India discusses it with Japan, when India discusses it with the United States, etc. I think there is always an attempt to find alternative sources of funding which would be provided in transparent manner, in a sustainable manner in which taking into account uh, the environmental norms and uh, which would make sure that there is uh, the developing countries do not land themselves in a debt trap. In that context, uh, there are a large number of areas where both India and Germany have the same outlook, have the same view. And so irrespective of the change of leadership, I think the bilateral relations will continue to expand both in the area of economic issues because one of the other important uh, aspects, you know, in addition to what Professor Deva mentioned about uh, migration and mobility, which is extremely important. You see, Europe is uh, aging and uh, India is a young country. I think rather than, of course, we can get into these agreements for migration and mobility. I remember when I was heading the mission in uh, Sweden, there also we had into a bilateral agreement. And so the highest number of professionals that were coming into Sweden at that time, and I'm sure that's the case today also, through the provisions of this agreement, we were able to have Indian professionals, Indian, whether it is in the area of IT, whether it is in the area of pharma, whether it's in the area of services, and so many other fields. They would come there for, you know, temporary relocation and then come back. I think something similar can be worked out with, uh, because India is also keen to enter into such uh, agreements, and uh, if it is the blue card scheme for uh, highly skilled uh, professionals and personnel from here, it will be meeting a requirement both of India, because there's certainty, there's predictability, as also it will meet the requirement of uh, the German companies. Also, you would recall that when Prime Minister Modi had traveled to Germany in 2015, one of the particular aspects on which uh, focus was given was on skill development and training of how we could the apprenticeship system that is used in Germany, how that could be utilized in India for skill development. I don't know whether this has made much progress. It is, doesn't appear to be reflected in whatever is mentioned, but I think this was something that was considered to be particularly helpful and useful. And skill development is definitely something that we really need to look at because you have uh, 10 million people coming into the job market every year. And uh, so they need training, they need uh, to be equipped with the right skills to be made employable and useful as far as the economic uh, growth and endeavor is concerned. Professor Sushadeva, when you see the statement coming out that India and Germany will stand together, they will strengthen the efforts to combat terrorism and extremism. And of course, there is no mention of Pakistan as such, but we all know that India has been a victim for a very long time of cross-border terrorism. This is a point which the Prime Minister has raised at various global forums and a lot of world leaders have stood with India when it comes to the issue of terrorism. How do you see this statement and how important do you think it is that Germany is standing with India on this crucial issue for us? Not just only Germany, in fact, most of the European countries 
you know their uh, i would say statements and their actions against uh, terrorism international terrorism one can see changes happening in the last uh, you know 5 to 6 years and particularly in the last 2 3 years now earlier it was seen as a problem of somebody else so what is happening now is in fact there are so many incidents which has happened in the last few years in europe itself so now they themselves are actually uh, becoming victim of terrorism causes could be different uh, you know the, from where it is coming could be different but now in fact they themselves are realizing what is happening in this front so obviously not just only statements in fact i think even at the practical level many i mean cooperation at certain level is happening both at the bilateral level with many european countries including with germany and also at the eu level so lot of intelligence sharing lot of other kind of cooperation uh, anti terror operation etc is happening and most importantly because the issue in which europe is uh, grappling today is the uh, radicalization now radicalization is happening at a very alarming rate at some parts in in europe itself and many of those uh, european citizens those who have gone to you know countries like syria and other places now after the defeat of isis in many of those places many of them have come back or they are likely to come back in many of the european countries so it means they are quite uh, worried about this and they would like also to actually cooperate with many other countries including india those who also have certain experience in dealing with uh, you know incidents of terrorism and also radicalization in this whole region so i think uh, it's happening a lot of cooperation is going to happen as far as article 370 or pakistan what you mentioned they of course was not really mentioned directly perhaps in many things but in the last few days if you can see even if you look at the speech of uh, their foreign minister or certain uh, interviews given by you know german and ambassador in uh, delhi so they very clearly more or less uh, articulated what the broadly eu view is which is you know that uh, this is mainly an internal affairs of india at the same time if you look at even debate which took place on situation in kashmir in the european parliament so they are concerned about uh, situation in kashmir at the same time uh, they also feel that uh, they would encourage india and pakistan to have certain peaceful and meaningful dialogue and we can have a peaceful resolution of these issues so this is what in fact you will not find any separate german position on this i think they are trying to articulate what the eu position broadly is individual countries have their own position but i think german position is more or less aligned with what the eu position is and the eu they have couple of statements on this and we also have even in the past if you look at declaration which we have the india eu summit i think more or less you will find similar kind of articulation there which you will find uh, with uh, bilaterally with germany and now let's listen in to what the prime minister said today विश्व की गंभीर चुनौतियों के बारे में हमारे दृष्टिकोण में समानता है इन विषयों पर हमारे बीच विस्तार से चर्चा जारी रहेगी आतंकवाद और उग्रवाद जैसे खतरों से निपटने के लिए हम बायलेटरल और मल्टीलेटरल सहयोग को और घनिष्ठ बनाएंगे हम जर्मनी को आमंत्रित करते हैं कि रक्षा उत्पाद के क्षेत्र में उत्तर प्रदेश और तमिलनाडु में डिफेंस कॉरिडोर में अवसरों का लाभ उठाएं भारत और जर्मनी के विश्वास और मित्रतापूर्ण संबंध डेमोक्रेसी रूल ऑफ लॉ जैसे साझा मूल्यों पर आधारित है हम जर्मनी को आमंत्रित करते हैं कि रक्षा उत्पाद के क्षेत्र में उत्तर प्रदेश और तमिलनाडु में डिफेंस कॉरिडोर में अवसरों का लाभ उठाएं भारत और जर्मनी के विश्वास और मित्रतापूर्ण संबंध डेमोक्रेसी रूल ऑफ लॉ जैसे साझा मूल्यों पर आधारित है 
Ambassador Sajjalhar, taking the conversation forward, we also find that one of the regional issues that was discussed today between the two leaders was the situation in Afghanistan. And we also find that the situation in Afghanistan gets complex every time we talk about it. And there is, of course, the factor of Pakistan being a major player, whether we like it or not, in Afghanistan. And India has its concerns, valid concerns, because we see the conflict in Afghanistan has its reach to India. It has its reach to the entire world today, in a way. How do you feel that powers like Germany and India today share an understanding of what is happening in Afghanistan and where the future of Afghanistan should be headed? I think both uh, India and Afghanistan are exactly on the same page as far as Afghanistan is concerned in terms of what the problem is and in terms of what the solution should be. So in the joint declaration it is very clearly mentioned that uh, there should be whatever solution comes out of this, it should be the government that comes in and peace resolution, it should be Afghan-led, Afghan-controlled, Afghan-owned solution to the issues uh, of uh, violence and terrorism in Afghanistan. So this is exactly what India has been saying. Both the countries have reiterated that the international contact group on Afghanistan, which has about 50 members, in which India is a member, Germany is a member, that that is a very important instrument for holding discussions and trying to resolve issues. They've also made a specific reference to the heart of Asia, Istanbul process also that is going forward. Germany is apparently organizing a meeting for an intra-Afghan dialogue. And uh, so this is also welcomed, in which uh, the Afghan government will also be invited. You would recall uh, that uh, when, uh, you know, the Moscow format started or some of the other, even as far as the Zalmay Khalilzad process is uh, concerned, all the nine rounds of meetings that he had in Qatar with the uh, Taliban representatives, the Afghan government was in Kabul was not uh, invited, was not a part of this uh, uh, these meetings, these deliberations. And it is only when uh, Mr. Trump had invited the Taliban leaders from the so-called uh, Emirate of Afghanistan, then he had invited the Afghan uh, leadership also from Kabul. So I think here Germany is very much on board that uh, the Afghan government has to be a part of the any solution that might emerge. And this is a position that India has also taken because even in the Moscow format, India and Afghanistan were Central Asia countries were not invited. And India had made it very clear that uh, Afghanistan should definitely be there because democratically elected government, you cannot just push it by the side and hand over the reins of power to the Taliban who has been fighting the government for the last 18 years and has inflicted so much of damage and destruction both in terms of men as well as in terms of property. So both the countries are very much on the same page as far as Afghanistan is concerned. Simran, if you give me just one minute if I could supplement what uh, Professor Sajdeva had mentioned. The position that uh, on cross-border terrorism etc. that uh, Germany takes is in line. Actually it is the position that Germany takes is formulates the position of the European Union so far. This time, of course, the issue is much more significant and much more important because of what has happened on Article 370 and uh, the propaganda campaign that uh, Pakistan has launched into. So here it was uh, satisfying to hear the German foreign minister who is also in town who made a very oracle statement that whatever has been done as far as Article 370 is concerned is an internal matter of India. So I think that is uh, 
fully subscribing to the Indian position on this. And also, as far as all other issues are concerned, they should be resolved through dialogue. And they have not spoken anything on any third-party mediation or UN Security Council resolutions or UN Charter, which is something that India has been quite averse to when you know some of the other countries like China or Malaysia or the others have spoken. So I think what the German delegation, the Chancellor and the Foreign Minister have spoken would have made uh, India quite satisfied. And in the coming days, we will continue our discussions on India-German relations. With this, we bring today's discussion to an end. Thank you. Thank you. You were listening to a discussion on bilateral relations between India and Germany. The participants were Ashok Sajjanhar, former diplomat and Professor Gulshan Sachdeva, expert on international issues. Simran Sodhi, journalist, initiated and moderated the discussion. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. You can also listen to this program on our website, newsonair.com. You can also follow us on the News on AIR app for updates. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com. 